This is the To The Point Podcast. Together with our ERISA attorney, we'll explore key Affordable Care Act and trending compliance topics, all in 15 minutes or less. Now here's our host, Sarah Gillespie. Welcome to another To The Point podcast. We are glad to have you. Today, we are going to talk a little bit about the new rules on HRAs that were recently released. So I'm Sarah Gillespie. I'm the Compliance Director at Lipscomb & Pitts Insurance in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have with me Stacy Barrow of Marathas Barrow Weatherhead and Lent. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Sarah. So I know you and I have talked about these in the past, and I know that it's... Um, all a buzz in our office and, and other places, these new HRA rules. So just to give a quick background, these were recently released by the agencies in response to Trump's executive order from October 2017. So our listeners may remember that there were several things included in that order. And one of them directed the agencies to consider how to expand the flexibility and use of HRAs. And these new rules will allow HRAs to be used to pay for individual health insurance policies, and also they create a new type of standalone HRA. And in this podcast, we want to spend most of our time addressing what's now known as the Individual Coverage HRA or ICRA. I-C-H-R-A is kind of the acronym there. Um, but we do want to first share a few notes on the Accepted Benefit HRA. So Stacy, what makes this Accepted Benefit HRA different from what was available before? Sure. So uh, under the ACA, most HRAs had to be integrated with a group health plan, meaning that employees could only benefit under the HRA if they were also enrolled in a group health plan. Uh, these accepted benefits HRAs um, are are a little different. Uh, they're you can kind of think of them almost like a health FSA with a little more flexibility um, in that the employee with the health FSA, in order to be eligible for health FSA, you just have to be offered group health plan coverage. You don't have to elect it. You just have to be eligible for medical. And that's the same thing with this accepted benefits HRA. You just have to be eligible for medical and you can be in a class of employees who is um, eligible for this accepted benefits HRA. So whether or not you elect medical coverage, you would be covered under this accepted benefits HRA. And so what are the requirements for this to maintain that accepted benefit status? Um, Basically, just has to be offered to employees who are also eligible for group health plan coverage, just like the health FSA, right? Um, and comply with, you know, any other rules. There's a, a $1,800 limit on expenses. Um, there are limitations on the kind of medical expenses it can reimburse. Generally can't reimburse group health plan premiums other than COBRA. Um, can only reimburse like dental or vision premiums or short-term limited duration insurance. It has to be offered uniformly to all similarly situated individuals. That's a common theme that we'll hear um, with regard to the ICRAs um, as well. Uh, basically have to be offered on a non-discriminatory basis. Um, I think, again, yeah, I mentioned that there's a $1,800 um, maximum benefit. 
Okay. And so I had also read that these accepted benefit HRAs cannot be offered to the same employees who are also offered the individual coverage HRA, which we're about to jump into. But why is that? Um, That is because the individuals who are offered in ICRA cannot be offered a group health plan. And in order to be eligible for the accepted benefits HRA, you have to be offered a group health plan. So um, it, it could not work out where you're kind of eligible for both. Okay, sure. That makes sense then. Well, moving into the conversation about individual coverage HRAs. So this is an option that's available to employers of any size. It includes no minimum or maximum employer contribution, as I understand it. And employers can design their individual coverage HRA to either reimburse all Section 213D expenses or limit reimbursements to particular expenses like just insurance premiums. So what are the main requirements for this type of HRA? Okay, so this type of HRA, the ICRA or individual coverage HRA, is an HRA that can be integrated with either individual market coverage or Medicare. So the first requirement is you have to have some kind of, you know, either individual market coverage. It could be on exchange or off the exchange or Medicare. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the first requirement. Um, there are a few others where you, know, you have to be able to confirm your enrollment in an individual plan at least once a year. Employers will have to have you know, documents for these arrangements. Um, they'll be, need to be able to administer them. You know, have uh, requirements to or procedures to substantiate claims. Um, there are. Uh, regulations in place to guard against situations where employers try to single out their less healthy employees and and get them into the ICRA. Um, You can only offer ICRAs along certain specified classes of employees. You could say offer them to full-time but not part-time. You could offer it to hourly but not salaried. There is a lot of flexibility there, but there are also these minimum size requirements for groups that are offered in ICRA. So you can't have, you know, a group of three employees who are offered in ICRA. Um, the rules get fairly detailed and it does depend on the employer size, but, you know, there are some rules in place to try to, um, you know, prevent abuse and, um, you know, prevent employers from essentially, you know, carving out the the less healthy employees and then putting them on the individual marketplace um, or Medicare. Okay, so can an employer offer individual coverage HRA and have this satisfy the employer mandate? And like, how does affordability come into play? How does all of that work? Because these employers who are um, ALEs are still going to be subject to those requirements. Yeah, so it can be used to satisfy the employer mandate. Um, The individual coverage HRA, when it's integrated with individual market coverage, is going to basically be assumed to provide at least minimum value because all the individual market plans um, provide at least minimum value. Um, And then from an affordability standpoint, the IRS is going to issue more guidance on affordability. Um, You know, we may... uh, 
see some safe harbors similar to like we do with the employer um, safe harbors where you have a W-2 or rate of pay or federal poverty level. They also might offer some safe harbors that are key to the, um, say, the second lowest cost silver plan in an employee's area um, on the exchange. Um, That's kind of what's often used for subsidy purposes, so they may try to keep it consistent with that. so there, there will be more uh, guidance on that yet, and there's there's really nothing concrete in terms of the affordability. Okay. And so um, in regards to the premium tax credit, so if you've got an employee who currently today is getting coverage through the exchange and is eligible for that premium tax credit, it works similarly where if you enroll or accept this individual coverage HRA, you cannot continue to receive a premium tax credit on the exchange. Is that correct? That's right. And that's also, you know, kind of consistent with the other types of HRAs like the, you know, the QSER or the Qualified Small Employer HRA. It's a little different in that the QSERA just reduces subsidy eligibility possibly to zero, whereas if you accept coverage under the ICRA, then you do not have any subsidy eligibility. Uh, it, 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 it eliminates it. Okay. So I had also read that a Section 125 plan can be used to pay for a portion of the individual insurance plan premium. So is that right? And how does that work? That is right. Um, and another kind of interesting element of these ICRAs, um, the, to the extent that the ICRA doesn't cover all of the individual market premium, um, you can allow the employees to pay pre-tax for the remainder of that premium for individual market coverage, um, not um, exchange coverage. There's still an existing rule that prohibits pre-taxing through a cafeteria plan for exchange coverage, but if it's off the exchange, off the marketplace, then um, you could permit employees uh, on a reasonable and, and uniform basis to pay the remainder of the premium pre-tax. Okay, got it. So then are these individual coverage HRAs going to be subject to the same kind of laws as group health plans like ERISA, COBRA, HIPAA? How does all that work? Yeah, uh, great question. And they, yes, they are group health plans subject to ERISA, COBRA, HIPAA. Um, they are HRAs, they're health reimbursement arrangements. They are self insured group health plans subject to ERISA and COBRA, um, subject to HIPAA privacy, um, unless an exception applies, like they're self administered and the employer has less than 50 eligible participants. Um, you know, there, there are some exceptions for, for small groups from HIPAA privacy. Um, only when the plan is self-administered. But yeah, it's, uh, it's an ERISA plan. COBRA applies, needs a plan document, SPD, um, you know, all that, all that good stuff <laughs> that you normally find associated with the group health plan, you know, unless the, the group is exempt from ERISA, meaning they're um, a municipality or state local government plan or a church plan. So what about one of these being exempt from ERISA insofar that, you know, the employee's purchase of their health insurance is totally voluntary and the employer isn't involved in selecting or endorsing any kind of coverage or carrier and, you know, some of those other key things that would have to be met to qualify for an ERISA exemption? Could that work here? 
No, the the ERISA exemption applies to the individual market plan that the employee selects. That individual plan is not going to be an employer sponsor plan. Generally speaking, as long as the you know employer isn't you know you know sponsoring somehow the individual market plan, but allowing the employees to use the ICRA to pay for the individual market plan, the ICRA is the group health plan subject to ERISA. The individual market plan is not. So that's a really important distinction because I think that um, there was some confusion with that when I had talked to somebody else about this recently. So it's the employee's plan is not going to be subject to ERISA, the one that belongs to them. But the individual coverage HRA is still a group health plan and still subject to ERISA and all the other laws. So, okay, thank you for clarifying that. Um, Okay, so if I'm an employer, I'm thinking about this, I want to implement it. Let's let's tick off some of the um, responsibilities. So, okay, I know that they've got to provide a notice to eligible participants, right? And how far in advance do, do does that have to be provided? Um, I'm not sure. I think that it might be it might be a 90 day requirement. Um, prior to the beginning of the plan year. Um, I haven't looked all that closely at the, the notice requirements yet. Okay. Maybe something you just give to new hires, let them know this is what's available to them. Um, okay. The substantiation procedures. I, I have seen a lot of talk about that. And so it's very important for employers to understand when they're putting this together that they must have um, reasonable procedures to substantiate at the time coverage begins, and then also before each reimbursement. So I believe I saw that model attestations are available, but it's just important for employers to understand that that's a huge piece of this, that you know, certainly the individual has to have coverage in order to be eligible and enrolled in the program, but they have to substantiate it every time they wanna get the reimbursement as well. So uh, what about opt-out? Does opt-out have to be something that's offered? Does it matter? Um, yeah, they do um, generally need to have a right and participants need to have a right to opt out of the ICRA at least once per year. Okay. Well, I think that we've covered a lot on this, certainly enough to probably let employers know this is something you want to walk through in detail with your uh, insurance broker, that there are a lot of different moving parts from who can be offered it, the size class, and you know how you would work with it from an um, employer mandate standpoint and all the different pieces that you as an employer would have to provide. So, if you're interested in talking more about that, you have questions for me or for Stacy, you can send me an email at Sarah G, S-A-R-A-H-G at LPinsurance.com. But we hope that this was helpful for you. And please listen to one of our other episodes. Thanks so much for joining us.